0: Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Alright, good morning everybody. So good to see you guys. Love Sundays. Love Sunday mornings. Love when we gather as the church. Hey, uh, before we start today, You know, we love holidays in the church. Christians love holidays. We have sermons on how grateful you should be and that you should be full of gratitude. And we have sermons about being thankful at Thanksgiving. And in the same way, just not too long ago, we mentioned Memorial Day and and the great sacrifice that was made uh, by, by people in our country, the men and women of the service who have actually died. And there's another holiday, it's become a new American holiday, and I think we need to mention it and just briefly talk about it today, but Juneteenth has now become an American holiday. Yeah, right? It's, it's an interesting thing to me, like January 1st of, of 1863, in the middle of the Civil War, President Lincoln ends slavery. And it's almost two and a half years later that the very last slaves in Galveston, Texas find out. And there were systems set up that kept them, prevented them, barriers that prevented them from finding out that they were free. And so why is this a holiday for the church? Why should the church, above all people, why should we celebrate it? Why should we get excited about this and rejoice in this? Because we're people of the Bible. Because we're people who believe the word of God. We believe the word of God in Genesis 1:27 when he said, Let us make man, the Trinity speaking, let us make man in our own image. And so in the image of God, he created the male and female. Let us make mankind in our own image. All of mankind, like every one of you sitting here should understand this right now, you are an image bearer of God, white, black, brown, I don't care what color, you might have polka dots, you are an image bearer of God, the Almighty. And so today we rejoice, man, we celebrate, and so if you're in this community and you're black or you're brown, we celebrate with you because of of what happened, because of the liberation of slaves, but because of our, our deep commitment to the word of God. And so we celebrate that today. We think it's a great thing. Absolutely. And then I'm going to mention another holiday that's going on that, that we've been talking about forever, and that is it's Father's Day today. And so fathers, we just want you to know this. We celebrate you. I think in my own life, I think about the greatest impact, the greatest influence in my life, probably the greatest man that I know, is my father. I feel like, where would I be without my father? Where would I be without the influence of my father? I'm a big enough train wreck as it is. What if he wasn't here? I'd be be lost. I mean, just, you know. And so I think today, fathers, man, we celebrate you. If you're like me and you don't have kids, hey, we still celebrate you. You still speak into lives as a man. You can still speak into the lives of young men and women here at this church. And so we're grateful, fathers. So this is what I'm going to ask. We celebrate men, we celebrate fathers. If you're a male and you're 16 years of, older, uh, of age or older, I'm just going to st- ask you to stand because we want to bless you and we want to pray. If you're 16 years of age or older, I'm going to ask you to stand. Right? Hey, we celebrate you today, and we thank God for you today. Let's pray for these if we can. Father, for these who are standing, we say, Lord God, thank you. Thank you for their influence. Thank you for their influence to children, to their children, to us as a church. Thank you, Father. God, thank you. Lord, we pray a special blessing on them. We pray that you strengthen them, that you give them encouragement. God, that you speak into their lives today. Father, for those who are fathers and are fathering children, God, give them endurance, give them strength. For those who are not fathers, God, give them a a child, a a relationship that they can begin. And with someone, Father, that they can speak into their life. Give them vision for that. Thank you for these men, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said Amen. amen. You guys can have a seat. More importantly, not only can you have a seat, you can have a donut. So they're throwing us all back for everybody. So uh, I love that. I love that, uh, that we celebrate that. So it's a good morning. Uh, let me just ask you to do this. Think back to your earliest childhood memories. Think back to your earliest childhood memories, right? You wake up, it's Saturday morning. You wake up, you get out the sugar smacks, you get all jacked up on sugar. You probably still got your feety pajamas on. And then what do you do? Cartoons. Thank you, brother. You watch cartoons. Yes, that's what you do. Now, here's the thing. I think we all know, there's not a lot of debate, I think we all know, we have a common understanding, don't say anything aloud. but we all know what was the greatest cartoon of all time. We Don't say anything aloud. I think we know. But just so, this is, these are important things as a church, we need to be able to agree on these. So on the count of three, I'll say three, and then boom, that's all, I'll say one, two, three, the greatest, oh, not yet, just wait! <laughs> this is, if you're going to do this wrong, I'll just do it by myself, Okay. Greatest cartoon of all all time. One, two, three. That's right. Johnny Quest. Thank you. Everybody knows that. You got Johnny Quest. You got Haji. You got Dr. Quest. Remember this? Race Bannon. Come on, somebody. And here's extra credit. Dog's name? Bandit. And if you're too young, if you don't know this stuff, we'll pray for you at the end of the service. Now, here's the thing. Some people got them mixed up. And so you yelled out the second greatest. So I'm going to give you a chance in just a second. Don't say anything yet. You might have thought this was the greatest, but it's the second greatest. And just by the way, if you were going to say the Smurfs, don't say anything. <laughs> That's not going to get spoken around here. So second greatest cartoon of all time. One, two, three. That's right. The Super Friends. Super Friends. Second greatest cartoon of all time. So look, for. It's a little perplexing because I don't really get this. This was Marvin and Wendy. They're not really, I don't know how they got on the show. And then here's extra credit. Do you know who this one was? Wonder Dog. Everybody knows that. Wonder, I don't know how they, but really, Super Friends are cool because you got like Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman. Remember Aquaman? Remember how cool? Aquaman would do like this and he just flies through the water. And then, and then you remember this like, th- he could speak to the animals. You remember that? Like he'd go, do, do 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 hey, Mr. Whale, remember that? He could talk to the whales, or he'd go, like tuna, like like some uh, uh, dolphins would come up, he's like, do do, do 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 hey, Mr. Dolphins, we eat only, you know, tuna-free, you know, I mean, like, they do that whole, like, he would talk to them, right? But here's what's really cool, when you're a kid, what was really just enamoring about it, is, is we all went, that's so cool, they have superpowers, like, like these these superheroes have superpowers and and something would come up in life something would come up in life and there's this major ordeal and a super friend with a super power could fix it Like, it was the craziest thing. Like, like a dam would break. It was some evil person broke this dam. They caused it to break. And Aquaman, you know, boop, 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 boop. And he talks to the whales. And then the whales plug up the dam. It was the craziest thing. Or Superman knows that some evil villain has broken this bridge. And here comes the train, right? And Superman, at the last second, he flies out and puts a train on his back and takes him to safety. You know what I mean? And so, I don't want to minimize this, because like this is cartoon, and most of us in the last week or two, we figured out, like, this is not for real. This didn't really happen, you know? <laughs> and so, but, but listen, you just think to yourself, how, how cool would it be if I had a superpower? And I don't mean the kind of thing where you could, like, boop, 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 you know, talk to the whales. I'm not talking about that. But what if you really had this power, like, in your own life? Like, in your own life, like, in the things where we actually live in the day-to-day, in the things that where we really live, like, as we're just going about our business. Let me give you some examples. Some of you, I think, right now, if we're, if we're perfectly honest, and I think there's no, no safer place to be really honest than in the church. This is our family, right? These are people who all know you and love you. If some of you were really honest, you'd say this right now. I, I don't know if I can stay in my marriage. Like, my marriage it's just been so tough. It's just been a grind. We've been at it for 20 years and I just I don't know if I can hang in there. I got kids. I just don't know if I can stay because I I just don't think I have the strength to do it. I don't have the power to do it. Here's what you're gonna find out this morning. Oh, you do. You absolutely do have the strength, you absolutely have the power, followers of Jesus. Some of you are saying, Well, it's not a family relationship, it's just a relationship with someone that I know, and we're just at odds and and I just can't take it anymore. I don't think I can forgive that person ever. I don't think they'll ever forgive. I don't think I can speak peace in that situation. And I'm telling you, followers of Jesus, oh, you have a superpower. You have a strength. You can do this. I think some of you are saying this. It's just been a grind. It's just been wearing on me because financially, I don't know if I can hang in there. Like I've been without a job and then I had a job and then I didn't have a job. It's just grinding away. I mean, man, I don't know if I have the strength to continue to do this followers of Jesus, you do. You absolutely have a superpower that you, 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 you're, you're, you're not aware of. See, some of you are saying things like, I got to be perfectly honest, Neil, this last year and a half is crushing me, and I don't know if I can continue. I don't know if I can endure this. I don't know if I have the strength to go on. You do. You actually do. See, some of you are saying this. You're saying, man, I've got this health crisis, and it's just, been, it's just been going on. And it feels like it's been one thing after another after another. It's wearing me out, Neil. You know, I, I'm not sure I can continue. Like, it's just it's got me. And I'm saying, oh, followers of Jesus, you got a superpower. There's a strength there. There's a strength there for you you got to know that. Now, you, you got to listen to this, because Jesus said some amazing, astonishing, fe- it felt like at times, crazy things. He's talking to his disciples in John chapter 14, and Jesus says this. Now, listen to this. He's talking to his disciples, but here's what he says. Anyone. Anyone who believes in me. He's not just talking about the disciples. He's talking about anyone. Anyone who believes in me, who's placed their faith in Christ. Anyone who believes in me, and then he says this, will do the things that I've done. Right? But then he, he takes it a step further, and he says, and still greater things now wait a minute we're gonna do greater things than jesus how is that even possible and here's what he said because i'm going to the father now just wait a minute do the math do the math some of you already know the answer when jesus ascended to the father what happened he sent the holy spirit see anyone who believes in me we know this we already know this. We talked about this a few weeks back. Ephesians chapter 1 was this. Man, the moment you receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. And he's saying because the Holy Spirit lives in you, greater things than I did, you'll do. And so here's the question we should be asking. Okay, we have this power. We have this actual power. We have this superpower. Here's the question because I'm real practical. I'm like where the rubber hits the road. That's, my, that's what I'm about. The question becomes this. How can I actually experience God's power in my life? How does that happen? How how does that happen where I experience God's power in my life? God's power to help me resolve a marriage issue, resolve a parent-child issue, resolve just the the torment that I feel like I've been in there, to hang in there, to endure. What about those of you who say, the call of God is on my life, I feel God calling me to this, I have this dream, I don't think I have what it takes to do it, right? How would I experience God's power in my life for that? That's what we're looking at today, Ephesians chapter 1. Flip your Bibles open Ephesians chapter 1. We're in our third week of our study in the book of Ephesians. It's a letter written by Paul. It's a circular letter, Ephesians chapter 1. And today we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 23. So go ahead and flip there if you would. And then when you get it, if you just stand to your feet, I'll read this. As you follow along, if you're new, this is what we do every week. When we read our primary passage, we stand to our feet. It's just a symbolic thing for us that reminds us, this isn't just some book. This is God speaking to us. I'm starting in verse 15, and it says this. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. I ask God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom And insight, so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light, so that you can understand the confident hope He's given to those He called His holy people, who are His rich and glorious inheritance. Verse 19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. This is the same mighty power. That raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Verse 21. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. Verse 22. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. We thank you for this word and and even just this brief time that we have to dig into your word and, and to see, God, what are you saying to us? What are you saying to us this morning with this piece of your word? Speak clearly, God. Allow your Holy Spirit. Give us ears to hear so we know exactly what it is you have for us this morning, Father. We're grateful. We thank you for time in your presence. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So, so let's look at this. How is it that I experienced the power of God in my life? How can, is that possible? How can I do it? So let's look at our passage. Watch here what it says. It says, this is Paul. Now remember, the Apostle Paul is writing. We think it's this circular letter. We think the last place it landed was probably Ephesus. But he's writing to churches that he's either been to or he's certainly heard about. And so he said, ever since I first heard of your strong faith In the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. Now, this is not the main point, but I do think we should stop and observe this. Notice what Paul says I I give this great thanks for you, and I continue to do it for two reasons. One, because I've seen your strong faith and your love for God's people. In other words, Paul says, I'm grateful because of your love for God and your love for people. And I would say this those should absolutely be the two hallmarks of anyone who calls them a follower of Jesus. There should be a love for God and not just a love for God. Because some of what I see when the church gets real just cantankerous, is, oh, I have this love for God. And then in the name of our love for God, we're mean to other people. Now, it's a love for God and it's a love for people. And then he says this, and so I pray for you. In other words, I'm so grateful that I pray for you. Now, remember we said last week, Paul spoke this blessing over the church. We said it was a run on sentence. It was over 200 words. And what Paul did is he took a giant breath and he just goes, blessing, 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 run on sentence. It was over 200 words. Crazy. If you're a student, you, if nothing else, if you're a student, you should walk home and next time you, you write a paper at school and the teacher says, run on sentence, you just go, hey, it's good enough for Paul. It's good enough for me. That's what you gotta do. But he just, he just this run on sentence, right? It was a blessing. Now he's getting into a prayer. We're looking at a prayer, and he says, I pray for you constantly. For what? Well, first of all, he says, I ask God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight. Why? So that you might grow in your knowledge for God. Paul is praying that they would gain knowledge of God. Why? I've said this a few times. You can only love someone to the extent that you know someone. And I always give the example, Kim and I, when we were dating, the more I got to know her, the more I loved her. If you don't know God, if you're not in his word, it's hard to really love him. I know about some people nationally, like maybe they're not, but I don't have a great love for them because I just don't know them. Paul's first prayer request is I'm praying that you just get wisdom and insight so that you know God because I want you to love God. Then he says this. Secondly, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand. Hearts flooded with light. Some, some translations say, I pray that the eyes of your heart, right? Somebody ever say something and you say, now what are you saying? And they say it again and you go, oh, I see. I see what you're saying. It just means I understand. That's what Paul is praying for. He says, I'm praying that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand what? The confident hope he has given to those who he called What is our hope? What is our confident hope? Our confident hope is in the salvation of our God, in that we'll spend eternity in heaven, and that His Holy Spirit is in it. Notice he calls it a confident hope. It's not the kind of hope where you go, I hope it doesn't rain today, or like right now, you probably go, I hope it rains today. It's not that kind of hope. It's a confident hope rooted in faith in Christ. That's the second thing he prays for them. And then he says this, I also, and this is what we're going to get into, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him, for us who believe, followers of Jesus. Now listen, I want to differentiate this because I know that not everybody who comes in here, some of you come in here and you say, well, I'm not really a follower of Christ. Don't put me in that category yet. I'm curious. I'm asking questions, right? Right on. Fantastic. Love that you're here. I hope you keep coming back. I love to have a conversation. I love to just talk, to chat. I love to ask questions and wrestle with faith. I think that's all good. But I do want you to know that for those of you who are in Christ, you've committed your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit has come into you. We've talked about this extensively in the last few weeks. There is a power for you in your life. Now, here's what's really interesting to me is that Paul says this. I'm just hoping that you'll understand it. Paul's not praying that you will get the power He's not praying that some lucky one of you may get the power. He's just saying, folks, you got the power. I'm hoping you just figure it out. I'm hoping you understand it. Now, what's really interesting is Paul is going to go on to to help us understand this power a little bit better. And then we're going to talk about how we access, how do we experience that power in life. Now, watch how Paul, think about this. This is the power that you have in your life right now. So, everybody who's a follower of Christ, don't ask me about, well, I don't have that gift, I don't have that. I'm just telling you, this is this is the power you have. Watch what he says. This is the same, it's the same exact power that raised Christ from the dead. Stop. You got that? That's the power you have in your life right now. The same power that raised for Jesus from the dead. Now he takes it to another level. And he said, and further, it seated him in the place of honor, God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Right hand was always a hand of honor. Remember, remember I don't know how long ago it was, but if you were left-handed, you were demon possessed or something like that, you know. Right hand was always a place of honor and the seat of power, and the seat of power. When Christ ascended, we were told, he was seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Okay. The power that raised Jesus from the dead took it to another level, seated him at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. That's the power you have in your lives right now. Now, you know that different translations say things differently. I, this is, uh, so whenever I prepare a message, for instance, I have five translations that I always read. I read the passage in five different translations simply because different translations say things differently. Uh, language changes over time. The word ambidextrous is a really good example. Currently, today, we think of ambidextrous as you can use your right hand as well as your left. In sports, we always thought that was a big thing. If, if, If a basketball player can use his right hand equally as well as his left hand, that would be a really good thing, to be ambidextrous. But a couple hundred years ago, ambidextrous didn't mean right hand, left hand equally used well. It didn't. Right hand, left hand, like ambidextrous a couple hundred years ago meant this. You can take a bribe. This, this is how they use the word. You can take a bribe under the table as well from this side as you can from this side. You're equally deceitful. That's what it meant. Well, language changes over time. That, that's, that's what different translations of the Bible basically do. So what I want to do is to help us understand this, I just want to look at a different translation. We use the NLT, the New Living Translation. I'm going to show you the same idea in the New International Version, because it, this, this idea, it just, it just comes to light a little bit better in this regard. So watch, he's going to say, look, I'm still praying, he, he just said in this, in, in this passage, I pray that you have this wisdom and, and insight so that you can know God, right? He's saying that I, I, I'm praying that you understand the confident hope that we have in Christ, and then in the NIV it says, and that you'll understand his incomparably great power for us who believe. That Power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Now, the reason that this is, makes it easier to see is because these are four words that all mean power. They all mean power, and they all mean just a little something different. So, for instance, this first, first word for power is the word dunamis. Dunamis is where we get our word Dynamite. That's where we get our word dynamite. And it just means this, this unbelievable capacity for power. You think about the capacity that a stick of dynamite has. He's saying for this great dunamis, this, this capacity. And then he says this, that, that that power, now he uses a different word for power here in the Greek, in the original language. It's energion, and it's talking about the energy or the ability The ability. Some of you think, well, I don't have the ability to do that. He's saying here the word ability. Then he uses the word is the same as the mighty. Mighty is another type of word for power, but this is a different word. And this word uh, mighty is the word kratos. Kratos in the Greek. And it simply speaks of, now this is interesting to me, of authority. That God gives you this kind of power, this authority in certain situations. And then this last word, mighty strength. Uh, strength is, is another word for power or, or strength, but it means this, it's sheus. And it simply means this. It, is, it talks about a power or a strength to overcome. Got it? So now I want to show you exactly what he's saying, really. He's saying... I have given you the capacity, the dunamis, I've given you the capacity to do these things. I've called you to do it, you can do it because I've given you the capacity. You think you don't have it, you're weak, you think you're you're running out, I've given you the capacity to do it. I've given you the ability, I've called you to do this, and you say, well, I I don't have the ability, oh, no, 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 no. I've given you the ability to do it. You're saying, well, who am I? who am I to speak up and witness to my neighbors, tell my neighbors about Jesus? No, no, no. I've given you the authority to do it. And then the last one is you say, I don't know if I can do it. I just can't overcome it. It's been so difficult. It's been so hard. No, 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 no. I've given you the power. I've given you the strength to overcome. That's what's in you. Followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's given you all of that. Right? Now, The bottom line, though, is this, because we still haven't really answered the question. Because you say, great, I got it. You've been screaming at me for 20 minutes now. I got it. But my question is still this. How can I experience it? How do I experience that in my life? What brings that about? Okay, you'll hear me say this all the time, and I think Amos said it last week. Whenever you look at the Bible, you read the Bible, you study the Bible, here's what's important. Context. You know that, because people today in the media, they'll say, oh, you know, you said this while I was taken out of... Context. Context is everything. Now context means a number of things. Sometimes context means what were the cultural norms of that day? What was historically going on at that time? Those are all context. But here's another one for you. Author. Sometimes you look and you go, who wrote this? Who wrote this? Okay, we're in this letter that we call Ephesians. We've been in it for three weeks. You already know this. Who's writing? Tell me. Paul. Okay, here's what you have to remember about Paul. Paul was a half. Paul was a have. He had everything. Paul had he, he had, he grew up in a really solid family. He had the elite teaching. He had the greatest teacher, perhaps, in the history of Israel, Gamaliel. He had it. He had a position of prestige. Paul had everything, and then he met Jesus. He had a radical encounter with Jesus. And when he did, when he had this radical encounter with Jesus, it changed him like it, like it has for some of you. It changed his life so radically, he left being a have and became a have-not for the rest of his life. And he traveled what we call the Mediterranean Rim, right? And he traveled and went up to, he left Israel and he went up to modern-day Turkey and he would go to Ephesus. Okay, he goes to Corinth eventually and he writes a couple letters. His first letter he writes to Corinth, then later he writes a second. In the second letter to the Corinthian church, chapter 11, look what he says. Paul was talking about, I've been a have, I've been a have, I've been a have. My life hasn't been so great since then. Here's how he's talking about his life. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. It was said that 40 lashes would kill you. And so they gave you 39 lashes to take you to the brink of death, but they wanted you to survive it and just be miserable for a while. He says, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, he goes on. He says, three times I was shipwrecked. One time I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. Like this brother's just hanging onto a plank of wood floating around the sea, right? Then he goes on, and he says, I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced danger in the cities, danger in the deserts, dangers on the seas. I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers and aren't. I've worked hard and long. I've endured many sleepless nights. I've been hungry. I've been thirsty. I've often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep warm. And you think, man, that dude's life got really hard. And yet if we read 2 Timothy, when Paul writes to Timothy, What does he say at the very end of the letter? He says, hey, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I endured. How did Paul endure? How did Paul endure it? Again, we're going to ask the question for Paul. How was Paul able to experience God's power in his life? How did Paul do that? Because ultimately what we want to know is this. How do you and I do it? We have this power. How do we access it? Okay, in the very next chapter... Paul goes on and he starts chapter 12 and he tells him this. Hey, I had this crazy vision from God one time. It was the craziest thing that God told me. It was so real, I don't even know if I was there or if I wasn't there. I'm not even sure which it was. It was that real. It was such a powerful vision that God spoke to me. And and you can understand that if God did something like that, if God just came down and told you something in such a clear, it, it would almost make you a little conceited. It would be really easy to become conceited. Watch what Paul says. Chapter 12, he goes on and he says this. So, to keep me from being proud, to keep me from being conceited, that's, what, like, that's some self awareness of Paul. How is God going to do that? So, to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Now, just so you know this, we don't, nobody really knows what the thorn in the flesh was. People talk about it, people speculate. We think it could have been a, a physical malady, it could have been epilepsy, uh, it could have been a terrible eyesight. Uh, we we think it could have been all kinds of things. For Paul, nobody really knows. Some some people think that it was uh, uh, malaria. Some people think that it was a really just difficult relationship with somebody who kept getting in his way. But he said, "I was given this thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud." We I I, I don't. Different commentators will say different things. I don't know that this was Satan you know working in his life but i think that was an expression that paul used it could have been but but he was, because this is from god to keep him humble right to keep me from becoming proud i was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger from satan to te- torment me and keep me from becoming proud and then he goes on he says three different times i begged the lord take it away from me god take this away from me whatever this thorn is take it from me and each time god says this hey hey psst. all you need brother all you need is my grace my grace. Now watch what God's going to say to him because this is a big one for us this morning. God actually says this to him. Further, God says, my power, my power in your life works best in weakness. It's the paradox of the Christian faith. There's so many paradoxes in the Christian faith, right? We live by dying. First would be last. Last to be first. The, the, the person who is the servant, will be the greatest of them all. It's just very paradoxical. Here's another one. My power works best in weakness, and so Paul says, in other words, because of that, because I've learned that, it taught me something, so this is what Paul says now, so now I'm glad to boast about my, and here we're going to see these juxtaposed again, uh, boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. It's paradoxical. When I become weak, that's when I become strong. Paul says, that's why I take pleasure, here's that word again, in weaknesses. That's why I take pleasure in it. And in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. Then he says, because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Now, we've got to understand this. What is this weakness? And here's the, <laughs> I want you to make sure you get this down real, real, real clear. Weakness doesn't mean pathetic. Weakness is not you laying around just being pathetic. It's not you laying around being lazy. It's not this, oh, I just gotta lay here because I'm, you know, I'm weak. I'm being weak for Christ. No, not at all. Here's weakness. First and foremost, weakness is acknowledging our inability. Weakness is Neil, who regularly has to say, you're right. I don't have the ability to lead this church. I don't have the ability in and of myself to pastor a church. It's not me. It's not necessarily what what I would say I have. It's an acknowledgement of you doing the same thing. God, you're right. In and of myself, I do not possess the the, the power or the strength or the ability to stick it out in this marriage. You're right, God. In and of myself, I don't have the ability or the power to do what you have called me to do. I, I don't have that. But then from there, it's saying, I don't, but God, I know who you are, and I know that you do have it. And then it is utter dependence on God. It is just full out, full blown, utter dependence on God. God, I don't have it. I know who you are. I know who you, that you do have it, and I'm just fully relying on you. Now, I'm going to speculate for a minute, so just travel with me, because this is speculation. But I think it's fun to think about. As Paul was uh, traveling the Mediterranean Rim, we said he would have left Israel. he had gone up the coast a bit. He'd get to Turkey. Today it's Turkey. He'd have gone to Ephesus. And then he starts at leak out into Greece. he get to Thessalonica. And as you start come down the coast, you would get to Athens. Okay, From Athens, you'd go about 100 kilometers straight west and you'd get to Corinth. Before Paul went to Corinth, he was in Athens. Now, this is a bit of speculation, but I think it's fun to think about, especially when you think this way and you read his writing. Think about the city of Athens for just a minute. Athens is a university town. Folks, these are Greeks. These these are people who pride themselves on being intellectuals. And debate is one of the greatest skills of the day. And these are the great orators. We don't read that Paul had really effective ministry in Athens. It's really interesting. We don't read necessarily that he had this amazing revival and this great ministry in Athens. And and, and this is just my speculation. I think there's a reason. Think about who Paul was. The greatest educator Israel maybe has ever known, Gamaliel. Paul studied right from that dude. Paul is an intellect. Paul is a great orator. Paul sees himself that way. Okay, we were looking at the second letter that he wrote to the Corinthian church. Now we're going to look at the first letter that he wrote to the Corinthian church. Remember, he left Athens, went to Corinth. Now he's going to talk about that experience. Now watch what happens. I think this is really interesting. Paul says, when I first came to you guys, I I left Athens and I came to you guys first. When I first came to you, brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom. Could he? Oh, he would have the ability to. He was a genius, he was an orator, he was an intellect, he could debate, but I didn't come to you that way, not with impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. He says, I decided that while I was with you, I'd forget everything. I'd forget how smart I was, I'd forget how gifted I am, I'd forget what a great orator I am, I'd forget what a great debater I am, I'd forget the great training that I have, I'd forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified, I came to you, listen, here it is, in weakness. Why? Because his own skills, strengths, abilities, and power did not work in Athens. As smart as this dude is. So how does he go to the next group? He says, I just came in weakness. That's what I decided to do. Timid and trembling and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power, there's our word, of who? Of the Holy Spirit. I wasn't relying on my power. I was relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. I came to you in weakness. Paul's figured it out. We're weak, we're strong when we're weak. That it's in our weakness that God shows up with all kinds of power. And then he says this, I did this so that you would not trust in human wisdom, but instead you would trust in the power of God. Paul says, I came to you in weakness. Remember this, weakness doesn't mean pathetic. That's not weakness. Weakness is more humility. It's acknowledging our inability And then it's utter dependence on God. That's what it is. So we ask this question, how is it that you, how is it that I, how do we experience God's power in our life? How do we experience the power to hang in there for a marriage that has been difficult and see God totally bring it back to life? How is it that we fulfill the call of God on our life when we say, I don't really have that skill. I don't really have that ability. That dream that God has given you, that vision that God has given you, and you say, I don't know if that will ever happen. I don't know if I could really do it. How is it that we hang in there and we do that? How is it that we endure when we've had physical hardships? How is it that we endure tough times like the last year and a half? Here's your big so what today. Acknowledge our weakness activates God's power in your life. It's acknowledging weakness. It's acknowledging that in and of myself I probably don't have what it takes but I know who does and I'm just going to rely on him I'm going to depend on him that's what it is that's how you find power it's paradox I know it welcome to the Christian life Christian life is full of paradox it's the most fascinating thing and so what do we do with this now hey we killed 35 minutes awesome what do we do with this now so I'm going to ask you a couple things, but here's what I want you to do. As you're sitting there right now, start thinking right now. Identify an area of your life where you need to experience God's power. Right now, I want you to start thinking. Is it a marriage? Is it a relationship where you go, I don't think I can forgive him. I don't have the strength to, to forgive him. I don't have that ability. Is it? Are you needing to endure? God's giving you a strength to overcome. You say, man, this has just got me down. I've been fighting this health issue. I've been fighting this health issue. I've been fighting this health issue. I just feel down. Has it been the last year and a half? And you just go, I'm worn out, man. I I, I don't think I can keep going. I just need to check out life. I'm taking off. I'm so frustrated. I'm so down. Okay, maybe I'll just keep doing my thing, but I'm not going to speak up for the name of Christ because I'm just too defeated. Where do you feel hopeless? Where do you feel discouraged right now? See, where do you feel defeated right now? See, what are you thinking when I say this and you go, I really think God has given me this dream? I I don't think I can make it happen. Newsflash, you can't. God can Like, where do you feel like, man, God has called me to this? I don't know if I can do it. See, first we're going to identify it. But the second thing we're going to do is we're going to acknowledge it this morning. At least I'll say this I'm going to give you the ability, I'm going to give you the opportunity to acknowledge it. Now, I always say this, man. I think sometimes at church we're afraid to acknowledge things, there's not a safer place. There's not a safer place. There's not a safer place. The people in this room, we, we love each other. If you're new here, we love each other. And even if we don't know each other deeply and personally and intimately, we love each other because we understand we're the body of Christ and we're a family. So here's what I am want to do all across the room. If you've identified an area, we're going to acknowledge it. And so right where you're at, I want to pray for you. Right where you're at, I just want you to stand to your feet. See, by standing to your feet, you're saying this. I probably don't have it in and of myself. I probably don't have it. But I know Christ. I know his Holy Spirit lives inside me. I know that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is in me. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to spend the rest of my days, as best I can, just utter dependence on Christ. So, Father, I pray for this church body this morning. God, I'm so grateful for the followers of Jesus here and for those who are wanting to know him. And so, Father, this morning, we, we, all of us, we, We are coming to you, Father, and saying, hey, we don't have it in and of ourselves. We don't have it. I pray for the very specific need that's in their hearts, on their hearts right now, God. I'm praying that you're encouraging them, that you're speaking truth, that they are understanding this. Our brother Paul was praying for us that we are understanding the power that's in us. God, give us a vision. Give us a glimpse. Give us a picture of the power that's in us. Bless them, Father. Bless them. Strengthen, encourage, bless them this morning, God. I pray that the the prayer of Paul would be true in our lives, that we would understand that power. And because we understand it, God, it changes us. And because it changes us, God, our communities change, our neighborhoods change, our marriages change, our relationships all change. God, would you do that? Would you begin to work that this morning? Would you begin to do that this morning in our lives, Father? Let your Holy Spirit go to work right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hey, would you guys sing with me? Hallelujah, our God reigns. Come on, church, sing. Let's go. Hallelujah. Our God reigns. Come on, one big choir. Everybody sings. Hallelujah. Our God reigns forever all my days. Hallelujah. Aren't you so grateful that that's true? Aren't you grateful that our God reigns? Right? Right? Hey, if you're on our prayer team, I'm going to have us walk right down to the front. Thank you, Gary. I'm going to ask all of our prayer team to come down to the front. So here's what I do. You've been praying you're acknowledging that this morning. You know what I do? I pray with somebody before I leave the building. We to just have big lines. Everybody wanted to pray with the prayer team this morning. Let them pray for you. I'm praying that we'll understand. I'm not praying that you get the power. (laughs) I'm praying that you understand the power that's already inside you. If you're new, first time or second time or maybe even third time, but you've never been to our welcome room, my left, your right, out those doors right there. If you walk right through those doors, our welcome room is right there. it give you a chance to meet somebody from our church, answer a few questions, get a cup of coffee. we got a cool gift. It's just our way of saying thanks for being with us. So now, God, we give you praise. We've been here to worship the creator of the universe. That's why we're here. And we pray that you are pleased with our worship this morning. God, work in our lives, work in our lives, work in our lives, oh God. Empower us by your Holy Spirit. And now, Father, as we leave this building, allow us to become the church to a world that desperately needs a Savior. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day, dads. Have a great Sunday. Get a donut.